Will you say a word of prayer with me, please? You can keep your eyes open. I'm going to. God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Please, I ask God that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love the text that Calissa read for you. It's so short. It's so powerful. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. God is love. And those who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Awesomeness. And that text is smack dab in the middle of a longer pericope. And sometimes I don't really want to preach the whole thing because it's got a couple of problems in it. But let me read it to you anyway. Listen to this. This is from verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. Foreshadowing, that's my problem. To be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us. And then God is love. Those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. Okay, okay. This is this is this beautiful text. And sometimes we don't want to address the whole thing because the context for this is the early church. It's called the Johannine community, the John community. They are new Christians. They are also still a part of the temple. They are figuring out what it means to be Jewish, what it means to be Christian, which is sometimes when you read John's gospel, the fourth gospel, or you read these letters, it might sound anti-Semitic, but what it is is anti-each other. It's identity politics. It's who are we and who are we trying to be in this community that valued love so much. But listen to the polemic. Listen to the argument. Let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. This is deeply Hebrew scripture, a commandment to love one another, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. The sense of really love and community is the way holiness happens. Love comes from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But if you don't love, then you don't know God, for God is love. Imagine that being said in a conflicted situation. Imagine that being said, for example, in a time of scarce resources. Imagine that being said in a time of conflict. Everybody who knows God does love, and everyone who doesn't do love doesn't know God. It's kind of a, a, a proof texting. This is how we know that God is a part of us, is that we love one another. God's love is revealed in this way. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. Okay, yep, sent the only son in the world so we might live through him. But in this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us enough to send his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, when I was a young Christian, everything that the Bible said was exactly right, exactly right. And so Jesus was sent to die. Jesus was sent in the world to die, to be the atoning or the at-wanting sacrifice. So I'm a big girl and I'm a womanist girl, and I don't imagine there being a God who has a child that he or she plans to kill when they grow up. I don't think that's what this means. I think God must have known because God knows the things that 
the love of Jesus, the rabbi Jesus' love, would be in conflict with the hatred and power and dominion of the Roman Empire, and that the conflict would lead to death. But I don't believe God planned to grow up a child and kill a child. I don't. So I almost didn't read this part because I think I have to explain it. So I'm going to explain it this way. I think the thing that makes us at one, I think the things that atones at ones, I think the thing that makes us whole again, that puts us back together again, is love. I think that this text, and I think Jesus's life is proof text, that love is the tie that binds. And this is love. God sacrificed and sent his son into the world to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, which is to say that Jesus loved us enough to not resist, loved us enough to let himself be killed. But I don't believe it was a big design, grand design of God to have this death happen. We can talk more about that another time, perhaps next Good Friday. But here's what I'm trying to get at today. No one has ever seen God. The last verse in this paragraph. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is perfected in us. The writer is making the point that there is no love that we have for God that isn't proven in our love for one another. Love has been perfected among us in this, it says, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in the world. What makes us right with God is to imitate Christ. And you can imitate Christ if you're a Buddhist. You can imitate Jesus if you're an atheist. You can imitate the loving power of God enfleshed in that body, no matter whether you believe in God or not, you can love your neighbor as yourself. Imitating the rabbi Jesus means loving people enough to feed them and loving people enough to heal them and loving people enough to clothe them. It means loving outside of the bounds. It means loving women talking to women, letting women lead in a culture when they weren't supposed to. It means loving children, foregrounding children in a culture where children were little more than slaves. It means kicking it with the outsiders, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the ne'er-do-wells. It means touching lepers and blind ones. It means telling a story about love in which a Samaritan, an outsider, rescues a stranger who is unclean because he's bleeding. And Jesus makes that a hero. The outsider is the hero. Imitating Jesus means loving each other in the way that we ourselves want to be loved. Love has been perfected among us. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. We love because we're first loved by God. And this is the kicker, my people. Those who say, I love God, but hate their brothers and sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's 1 John, that's chapter four, that's verse 20. If you say, I love God, but you hate your brothers and sisters, you're just telling a lie. Which is to say, if you say, I love God and I'm closing the borders against the people who need to get in here and flee from their lives of oppression, 
If you say, I love God, but I'm going to pay unfair wages to workers and wince, wince on my commitments to them. If you say, I love God, but I'm going to grasp, grab women by their crotch. If you say, I love God, but what you're really doing is putting money only in the coffers of the ultra rich and making sure that everybody else stays poor. If you say, I love God, and you incite racial incidents, you are a liar. To love God is to love the people you can see. To love the people struggling with COVID-19 who can't get tests. To love the people who don't have jobs, who are being laid off. To love the people who need the money to flow to them, not to the wealthy corporations. To love the first responders and the essential workers who are mostly women to love the people who need to vote, want to vote, and exercise their right to vote, and you set up hurdles and shut down voting places and pretend that there's enough fraud to justify it. To love the people is to get the folks out of detention centers. To love the people is to make sure that people can be released from jail who've done petty crimes, who are gonna die of a death sentence because they're gonna die of COVID in the jail. To love the people is to lead with truth and compassion and justice. Otherwise, you're just a big old fat liar. I'm not trying to convince you to believe, friends, in the story of Jesus's divine birth. I'm not trying to get you to convert to Christianity. I'm trying to get you to honor the model of a life well-lived, of a rabbi who lived a life of love, whose life is exemplary for all of us. And I'm trying to get you to dig into this little book in the kind of back end of the Bible and listen to this text that feels to me ubiquitous and across religions. There is no love of a deity that is more important than the love of the creatures the deity created. And this text, the text that Calissa read, said God is love. Everybody who lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. God is love, and everybody who lives inside love lives in God, and God lives in them. All the Jewish people of the day would have heard echoes of the stories of what it meant to be a, a wandering people, a people who packed up their belongings and left Egypt and went off to the land of promise, and who along the way made tents and who along the way found God in the meeting tent, who believed that God came down out of the cloud and hung out near the meeting tent so they could pray and touch the glory of God, be near the glory of God. They would have remembered the stories of their ancestors when there was no temple, believing that God was in the presence of the ark and they carried the ark across the desert with them. They believed that God could be enclosed in a space where they could find God even as they also believed that the breath of God, the spirit of God was all over the place. They would have felt comfortable and understood the word tabernacle. And this writer, this writer of John says, those who live in God, those who tabernacle in God, those who take up permanent residence in God, God takes up residence in them. And God is love. So each of us, each of us is a container, a tent, a tabernacle, a vessel for the love of God. What would happen 
What would be the revolution if we all treated each other as though the divine was inside each of us? What, what would happen if we treated each other as though the divine was housed inside of us? That's the kind of love, that's the kind of love that makes people stand up for each other when there's a, when there's a crisis, it makes people run into the building when the towers are falling down at 9-11. It makes people wade into fed, to the fetid waters when there's a flood. It makes people lock arms and march across the Pettus Memorial Bridge once again, even though they know they're going to get bloodied and beat. It's the kind of love that makes my friend Jeff Mummert a very comfortable executive-type person at a very comfortable company, who's gay, who's out, never been homeless, never slept on the street, but his heart for homeless queer teens is huge. He's the treasurer of a company, an organization called New Alternatives that makes social services happen for um, queer teens, 16 to 30 young adults. They get a hot meal on Sundays, 50 kids. But when COVID came and the program had to shut down, those volunteers, those leaders upped their ante from 50 meals on a Sunday to 50 takeout meals every day of the week. And they did it because they knew it was right. And they did it because those kids are their kids, even though they're not biologically connected. And they did it because those queer kids and the big love of their hearts are the houses where God lives as well. That's why they did it. That's why they did it. Friends, if we're going to have a love revolution, we've got to look for God in each other and love the God in each other as we want to be loved ourselves. We've got to stand up for bills that will make sure that everybody is rescued from this pandemic, that we land on our feet. We can't stick the money in the corporations and act like it's going to trickle down. We've got to save our post office. We've got to write letters to our uh, electeds and we've got to tell them, hey, we need you to do something about this. We've got to buy postage stamps so we keep the post office alive and well. We've got to hang in there together. We've got to love our neighbors. We've got to knock on their doors and say, I'm here. Do you need something? Can I do something for you? We've got to do what we know is the right thing, not the easy thing. Don't you want a love revolution? Don't you want America to keep its promise of democracy and freedom? Don't you want, as the prophets would say, justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream? I want the revolution. I'm not trying to go back to the past. I don't want things to go back to so-called normal because normal kind of stunk. Normal was about entrenched dissonance in our nation. Normal was, normal was about systems of oppression. Normal is about people don't have health care and food on the table. Normal is about injustice. Normal is about white supremacy masquerading as Christianity. That's not normal. I want goodness and love and peace. I want inextricable human bodies making the world good for all of us. I want everybody's children to be safe and okay. And I want you and I 
to collaborate to build a more just society. This is what love looks like. This is what revolutionary love looks like. This is what the fiercest love looks like. And it binds us together in cords that can't be broken. So we can heal our own souls and heal the world. We can do this. And we can do it together. May it be so.